It's great to be with you today. I just got back in town. I was in Colorado for a week and then two weeks in Portugal. So first time in two years I was back in Portugal and God is doing good things in people's lives. And uh, so it was good. Got another course recorded in Portuguese and managed to be here. I'm out again on Thursday back to the Netherlands and then a couple weeks in Bulgaria. Great things happening in uh, those places. Got a couple churches in the Netherlands and three in Bulgaria. So, but today here we are in Skagit and it's a blessing to be with you here. You know, it's um, All Saints Day. Some people call it Halloween, but you know, it, was, it had more Christian roots than uh, Easter or Christmas. It was an honor to those who had given their lives uh, in a belief in Christ. And then on this day, in 1517, a guy named Martin Luther did a pretty bold thing. Because he was a man who was studying to be a law student. And then he encountered God in a thunderstorm on the road. And while pleading for his life in the rain, he said, I'll serve you, God, if you'll save my life. Don't let me die like a dog in the road, is what he said. And his life was spared, and so he committed his life then to becoming a monk. And while he was in the Catholic Church, he realized that the God that was being spoken about in the Catholic Church was not the God of mercy. And he began to call out that he would know the God of mercy. And out of that, he found that God is the one who justifies us by faith. And he became a reformer. He wanted to reform the church, so he protested some certain things. He, and on this day, he nailed a thesis of 95 points on the door of the Wittenberg Church in Germany, stating that these things are more important than the traditions of men. Meaning, the scripture is more important. Faith is more important. A personal relationship with God is more important. <laughs> and uh, he, he listed 95 things in his view. And then he translated the Bible from Latin into German, into common German. And a lot of those Lutheran hymns that you sing, those are actually bar tunes. <laughs> that he converted to Christ's words because people were singing them. And he made a statement. He said, I'll make the plowman as knowledgeable as the Pope. And so he translated the Bible into common German. And then after him, in uh, 1522, uh, I believe it was. Well, he translated the Bible in 1522 to German, but then in, in 1536, a guy named William Tyndall translated the Bible into English. And for that, he was executed. They strangled him and burned him at the stake for translating the Word of God into English. So people paid a great price because of conviction in their hearts with God. And uh, there was nothing religious about it. It was just raw and real. People being, uh, encountering God in life, in their journey in life. Encountering what God was doing in the earth 
in a time called now. So in the 1500s, it was now. And God didn't want people living on what God did yesterday. He wanted people to have a personal relationship with Him and to know what He's doing now. So in light of that, I'd like to talk to you today about what is God doing now? What is God doing in the earth? It's very easy to get distracted by things that are going on in the world around us and miss what God is doing in His kingdom. Now, the kingdom of God is not an external kingdom, guys. It's an internal kingdom that causes external kingdoms to change. The kingdom of God is a place of relationship in your heart by the Spirit where you find true righteousness. And true righteousness is not being right. Uh, everybody, that, everybody that killed somebody was because they were right. And somebody was wrong. They might have even been right. But God isn't the God of right. He's the God of righteousness, a right relationship. He loves us. You were born to be loved by God. Matter of fact, I think I just lost signal. Went out. Totally gone. Battery? Battery died. It's early for the battery to die. So let's come on back here with a battery. And uh, it's a nine volter. And there we go. See how quickly that was. And there you go. You see, you have to be connected to the power to have power. And so God wants a relationship with him. He wants us to know him. Righteousness is a right relationship with God. That's why Jesus is the way. He's not the one who tells you the way. He is the way. A right relationship with God. And why is it so important that Jesus is the way? It's not just because he died for our sins. It's because he became a son so that we would know we are sons and daughters of God. God doesn't want parrots. He wants people who grow in the character, the nature, the way, the power, the authority of God. What is God like? Well, God never wanted to be God. That's what he is. That's not who he is. And if you see him as a God, then you'll misinterpret who he is. God doesn't need anything from anybody. He doesn't need us to worship him today. We need to. But he doesn't need us to. He doesn't need it. He's not a, he's not a getter. He's a giver. <laughs> he gives life. He makes become alive. That's righteousness. A right relationship. He makes become alive. I was born... To be loved by Him. I belonged before I believed. If you don't believe today, you already belong because you were born to be loved by Him. Matter, matter of fact, even in the whole communion scenario, come on guys, in the communion scenario, Jesus is the qualifier, not you. You don't examine yourself according to the flesh. You examine yourself according to His love. None of the disciples believed when He shared His life with them. And then he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he wasn't saying, create some ceremony and do that in remembrance of me. He was saying, give your life as I give my life. Let your life be broken for somebody else. I was at, uh, I went, had my teeth cleaned. And my hygienist was cleaning my teeth. And she made a comment that shocked me. 
she said, uh, you know, uh, she, I told her I'd been traveling and she, she was a little afraid, afraid to travel, glad to stay in the U.S., not move at all. She says, fear is such a debilitating thing. And it dawned on me, I could not remember for the likes of me the last time that I've been afraid. Amen. Seriously, it was a shocker. That's good. Amazing. It was a shock. Now, I'm not saying if you've been afraid that you, you have a, you're terrible. I'm just saying fear is a real thing. But I realized, God, you're really good. I haven't been afraid in like forever. I've had some other things, but fear is not, not one of them. Uh, because, I guess, I'm not afraid because he loves me. And I was born to be loved by him. Amen. Every human being was born to be loved by him. Amen. Did you ever see the, the, the movie Hoosiers? It's about a basketball. It's, a, it's based on a real story of an Indiana high school basketball team that went to the champions. Who's seen it? Hoosiers? Anybody? Yeah. Anyway, it's a great movie because it's a little tiny, tiny town that went to state championship and won it. And they were winning all their games and they barely had enough players to play. There was no backup players. They were just enough to make a team, you know. And when they got to the, the big playoffs, the, the um, players were all freaking out because of the, the basketball court was so amazing. And so the coach got a tape measure and had to measure the court and said, that, that's the same size as the one we've got back home, isn't it? And it took all their fear away. Do you know that God loves you right here in Skagit as much as he loves anyone? Amen. And did you know that you're just as important as anybody? Amen. <laughs> Me being here today is no less significant than me being in Portugal the last couple of weeks or wherever I'm going to go. <laughs> Matter of fact, if it was only one of you, the value of every human being is a one and only. And only a personal relationship with God can define that. Religion can't define that. So righteousness is a right relationship with God. I want to talk about what is God doing right now. I'm going to get to a scripture, but I, I'm, talk, I'm talking this morning. Uh, when we're in a time, we're in a troublesome time in the natural. Troublesome times. In troublesome times, people get distracted by trouble. <laughs> because trouble's noisy. <laughs> so it's easy to get. And, and unfortunately, unfortunately, see, see we, we believers, we don't have the corner of the market on God's love. <laughs> God doesn't love us more than he loves the world. He loves everybody. Matter of fact, when Jesus, I told you the last time I was here, when Jesus said he was going to send the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to send, he said to his friends, his, his 11 friends, because the one betrayer had left the room, he says to his 11 friends in John 14, he said, I'm going to, I'm, it's important that I go, I'm going to pray, I'm going to send another helper like me, and he'll be with you, but he'll also be in you. 
And he, he's, the, he's the one that I'm going to pray the Father send. He was talking of the Holy Spirit. And he says, the world doesn't know him and the world does, can't see him and they don't know him. But you know him because he's with you right now. Right. You, my friends, my 11 friends in this room, you know him because I am with you and Holy Spirit's with me. He's in me. But I'm going to make it so that he's in you also like he's in me. Now, the world doesn't know him and they don't see him. And I told you the last time I was here, I cannot shame or condemn a world for what they cannot see right. and what they do not know. That's right. Come on, that's a good word. It's not my job to shame anybody who can't see, can't know. Uh, it's my job to know and to see and then become a being that maybe they can see. <laughs> and what should they see? Well, I hope they see that I believe I was born to be loved, and therefore, so were they. <laughs> and having been loved, I can't help but love him. And because I know I was born to be loved, I also know you were born to be loved, so I can't help but love you. And it's not about human opinions. It's about God's grace. <laughs> so, Jesus is not just in heaven. He's here by His Spirit. And He wants to be known in your life, in my life, as the one who stands in your life. He's with you. I got you back. I'm with you. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. Almost nobody in this room does God want to get out of their circumstance. If I was going to, in my human desire, I would want to give you a word that would get you out of every difficult situation in my human desire. God probably doesn't want to get anybody out of their difficult situation. Maybe one, maybe two, but probably not. Probably nobody. But here's a guarantee. He wants to get into your difficult world with you. Amen. Why? When life moves into the room, the room changes. That's right. God doesn't want to get you out of your circumstance. He wants to transform your circumstance. Come on. And he does that because he wants to live in your life. You know, that's really unfair. That a God who doesn't need anything would move into our world of need. Because he likes us. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, God doesn't want us to escape this world. He wants to fill our world with his glory, with his life. Glory is his life. He wants, to, <laughs> he wants us to know him. So he wants to stand in our midst, to be with us. And, and he's the one, he's a different person. He's a different voice than any voice. That's right. He's the only voice that you can see. And what does that mean? That means he's not a, a voice that's just audible. We'll say it this way. When, when God speaks, you get a revelation. Okay, but what's the purpose of that revelation? So that you'll turn and see him and have an encounter with him. Amen. Why? So that you'll be transformed. And you become something of that revelation. Let's give a practical illustration. 
say you get a revelation of forgiveness. See, forgiveness doesn't, isn't about setting the one who did you wrong free. It's about setting you free from the one who did you wrong. That's true. And that ends up often setting them free. Even when Jesus said, if you go into a place and they don't receive you, dust, shake the dust off your feet. What's that about? That isn't about condemning or judging that city. That's about making sure the dust of that city doesn't affect your walk. If somebody wants dust instead of life, don't let the dust be something that sticks on you. <laughs> walk away and be life-giving. So a revelation of forgiveness is an invitation to see the forgiver, Jesus. And then to be transformed by that personal relationship and become something of that word. So he wants to stand in our lives and give us that. You know, that's, that's a revelation of Jesus. That's Revelation 1. <laughs> he wants us to have life, to know that, hey, I was born to be loved. I've got access to you, God, because I was born to be loved. I was born to be loved. Sin didn't stop you from seeing me. It stopped me from seeing you. You have never, ever, ever, ever killed a sinner. Sin kills sinners. Never have you condemned a sinner. Never have you shamed a sinner. You hate sin, but you love a sinner. Come on. <laughs> you hate wickedness, but you love the wicked. That's a good word. It's wickedness that made them wicked. But at the root, at the core, they were born to be loved. And if they knew they were loved, they'd be transformed from the power of wickedness. So we heard some testimony. Sounds like Tim wrestled with some wickedness, some unrighteousness. But Jesus came and brought a revelation of his love for Tim. So he's standing in our lives. We have access to him. We were born to be loved. And now that we know we've been born to be loved, we, we see him. We, we know him. And we say, I love you. I'll, I'll, what, what can I do to demonstrate I love you? I'm not afraid anymore. Amen. I'm not afraid of death anymore. Amen. Yeah. And you're giving me hidden stuff inside my heart. You're, I live on every word that comes from you. Stuff is happening in me that's you. And it's, it's spilling over. It's causing my whole character, nature, way, my life to change. From the inside out. And I'm a life giver. I'm finally realizing I was born to give life to my world. So I'm going to stay connected to you so that I can be light to darkness, healing to sickness, love to hate. And I'm clothed in Christ's works. I'm clothed in what you prepared for me. I'm not clothed in my works. I'm clothed in your works. But you love me. Uniquely, Ted Hansen is a testimony of Christ. You are a testimony of Christ. Amen. And you're clothed in that. Right. You have something to offer that's more than just natural, it's supernatural. And we're part of a family. Amen. Amen. A community. We have communion with God and communion with one another. And it's, it's, it's a miracle. Yes. You can look around the room and you can see 
former enemies become friends. Like Isaiah describes, there's, you know, there's wolves with sheep and bears with goats and cobras with kids and former enemies become united because of God and we become a family. And then we've been justified to live. He partners with us and we reign in life. We reign in life. We overcome. We face stuff like everybody does. But he partners with us and we reign in life. Do you believe that stuff? Yeah. Well, good. That's Revelation 2 and 3. That's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It used to be you had to earn your way to God. You had to go through the outer court. You had to make a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice, and then go and wash yourself clean enough to go into a holy place. Well, actually, only a few could go for you. And then one could go for you into the Holy of Holies. And so you had to work your way from the outside in. But now you get to live from the inside out. You live from His presence because you have boldness to come to Him, to His throne of grace. You receive mercy, and then you find grace every day because He loves you. So you live in and from the presence of God. Do you believe that? Good. That's Revelation 4. <laughs> Do you believe that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law? He, he, he was born under the law, but he never lived under the law. He lived under a higher law called the love of the Father. So everything he did was motivated by the Father's love, not by obligation to Torah law. And he freed us from being under Torah law. He freed us from being under things that put us in bondage. Law contains, restrains, contains, reforms, but it doesn't transform. Love transforms. So Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Let's never go back. You believe that? Good. That's Revelation 5. Okay, uh, have you noticed that when you come to God, when you come to Jesus, there's stuff in your life that you don't need, and Him you do need, and when you embrace Him, you end up losing some stuff that you don't need, because it's called stuff. And if you, you know, stuff can stuff you. But Jesus fills you with life. So receiving Him removes the false. Did you know that in heaven, of the, of the nature of God that was seen in the tribes of Israel, did you know that there's a tribe that's not in heaven? In the foundation of the church? It's a tribe called Dan, which means judgment. And you know what it's been replaced with? Manasseh, forgiveness. To forget. So false things are removed from our lives because of His forgiveness. Amen. Not because of his, his judgment. You want a judgment? Here, I'll give you a judgment. You ready? I'll give you an eternal judgment. Would you like a once for all eternal judgment? I mean like a, an eternal judgment that's good for anybody. You can cash this in. You ready? Mercy! There it is. I like that kind of silver Mercy Ricardia, Portuguese for mercy. 
Mercy, that's an eternal judgment for all who believe. So when he talks about eternal judgment, that's the one he wants everybody to grab hold of. Don't grab hold of the judgment that you pick. That'll end up bad. Grab hold of the judgment that he picked. The love of God said, mercy. That's the judgment he picked. So, false things get removed. And that's Revelation 6. And then your thinking changes. You start living for the Father. You start living for one another. You start living to, to see Debbie sent, to be all that she can be, to be Jeff, to become all that he can be. And you start, you start living, your thinking changes. You quit thinking about yourself and you start thinking about the Father and you start thinking about one another. Is that true? Yes. Amen. Amen. Oh, good. That's Revelation Six, no, seven. Four, five, six, seven. Revelation seven. Okay. And then some things get opened of God's grace in your life that even, even further changes. And that's eight and nine. And whatever's open in heaven can become real on earth. Hallelujah. Uh, so I want to talk about what's being opened in heaven right now. What's opened in heaven also releases a trumpet in heaven. A trumpet is a symbol of the prophetic. Let me define prophecy for you. God speaks, life happens. Okay, prophecy, I don't, it's a nice religious word, but I like God speaks, life happens. If life didn't happen, it wasn't God that spoke. That's right. Life happens. And if God speaks, not only does life happen, life happens in you. Because the higher voice is not the voice to you, it's the voice from inside of you. That's what makes you a son or a daughter of God. Okay? So, what is unsealed and what is the sound in heaven right now? Now, the Bible doesn't... Oh boy, help me Jesus. The Bible is not a... Did we die again? We're having a fun time with this one today. We've died again on another battery. We keep killing those batteries. Green lights on. Green lights on. Ah, we're losing power today. Up here, back there. But stay connected. Stay tuned. I'm going to keep on going, all right? I got, a, I got a good voice. God gave me a, a big voice. I don't, I don't necessarily need and this. Okay, we're coming on. You got to stay plugged in, guys. You got to stay plugged in. You don't get plugged in, you don't get life. Okay. Amen. Bring it on. Hallelujah. Yeah, bring it on. Praise the Lord. Okay. Okay, so now the Bible is not a how-to book. It's not a fact book. It's a covenant relationship book. Amen. And as a matter of fact... The written Bible is a testimony of all that they had before Jesus came so that you can have that and more. Yeah. What do I mean by that? Before Jesus came, you had an information covenant. Remember when? So you had to read it. You had to remember it. 
But then Jesus came so that you would have Christ in you, the hope of glory. You would hear God from in your heart, which then creates something you can also remember. But because you hear it in your heart, you can also now keep it. You can walk it out. So it's not an information covenant. It's a transform your life covenant. Amen. Okay. So that's the difference between new and old. Now, the Bible, in its written account, is everything that would be necessary to have an information covenant. But a personal relationship with Jesus is what you need to have a transformation covenant, which is going to be true to the things that are written. But the things that are written are not our teacher. Our teacher is Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, Holy Spirit's not going to contradict what was written, but Holy Spirit may contradict our interpretation of what's written. Amen. <laughs> so there's nowhere in the Scripture where the pronoun, Old Testament or New, there's nowhere in Scripture where the pronoun you is you. The pronoun him, it's not him, or them, it's not them. It's at the time of the revelation, at the time of the scripture, there was a, a him, a, a he, a her, a you, a them, a me. The pronouns are real people at the time, but because God is God, you are a pronoun right now in your world that he's speaking to, and he may use the exact same words that he said then, but he doesn't want you to be bound by that word. He wants you to be liberated by the one who spoke that in the first place. Amen. That's good. So it's not a how-to book. But it's full of principles, patterns, and values that are true to the voice of God at any time. So if I could find somewhere in Scripture that's common to what God is doing now, I might have an idea of what God is doing now. Okay? Jesus is the one who is, who was, and will be. He's not the one who is, who used to be, and then will be. He's the one who is, who was, who will be now. Okay, so... I believe that like Martin Luther in 1517, he nailed some theses because what God was doing at that time was freeing people from being under the bondage of human tradition into the freedom of knowing you're justified by faith, mercy. And so there was a reformation, a revolution that came. And what resisted it are the things that resist, which resisted it was law resisted grace. And so the law of the Catholic Church resisted grace. That's why Tyndale was strangled and burnt. That's why uh, Wycliffe was burned at the stake a hundred years before Luther came along. That's why people died because people didn't want what God was doing. They wanted what was in their life more than what was God, God was doing now. I don't want what's in my life more than I want what God is doing now. Help me, Jesus. I want what you're doing now. And what you're doing now is not just for believers. It's for I don't know what to believers. See, I don't believe that people in the world are unbelievers. I believe they're I don't know what to believe. 
To be an unbeliever, I would have to come face to face with believing and then decide not to. (laughs) But people who don't know and don't see, they don't know what to believe. So they're looking for love, for goodness sakes. They're looking for life. (laughs) Wonderful. We're all on this journey of faith, trying to figure out where's that voice of life. Everybody's got those internal questions. Who is God or what is life? Second one, who am I? Third one, when all those two things come together, what happens? When I discover what is life and who am I, what do I become? Or who is God and who am I, what do I become? Those are inside every human being. And then ultimately leads to the fourth question, what's the point? (laughs) And Jesus answered those questions by saying, God is the one who gives you life. Who is God? He's the one who gives you life. Who are you? He's the one who gives you breath, so you're an expression of Him. You're a one and only expression of Him. And who are you and God together? He gives you all things. It's a partnership for His purpose. And what's the point? Make friends. So God is always doing something. What is God doing right now? In history, in the place that was at the time of the revelation given to John, there was a church called Philadelphia, which means brotherly love. And in that church, it was said that Jesus would reveal himself in that church as the one who had the who had the sure covenant of David, which is mercy. <laughs> David's covenant was a covenant of the mercy of God. And in that covenant of the mercy of God, it's because of God's love that he opens doors that no one can shut, and he shuts doors that no one can open. And in that place, we become a people of God who have a love for one another as his community. We have a love for him. We become pillars of his presence. We become those who don't leave. We become connected. It's called communion. Community. Let me expand on that. Come to union. Come to unity. Communion, community. Come to union. Come to unity. Community. It's when we see him as the one who is the greater David. He's the one who gives us mercy and love. When we see him as the center of our room and we become pillars of his presence, we we can become people of God. So, I believe we're at such a time. Now, in history, prior to that, that was the restoration of the temple and the city of God after 70 years of captivity in history Israel had gone captive into Babylon for 70 years and at the end of that 70 years their captivity was over and God said now there's going to be a rebuilding of the temple a rebuilding of the city so that you can be the people of God that was shadow of what is real I believe that we're in a time right now that brotherly love is really about becoming People of God. Not people of religion, people of God. People that know that God loves them. People who love God. People that know that God sees them. People who see God. I love the phrase in Avatar. 
For goodness sakes, it was in the world's listening. They don't know what they're hearing. God's speaking. The world hears it before the church does. And in the avatar, there was a great line, I see you. God would love every human being to know this. I see you. That's God. God wants to say, Shauna, God says, I see you. <laughs> I see you. He says to everyone, I see you. But then he wants us to be able to say, I see you, God. I see you. When we see him, we become like him. So in this season, in this time, we become like him. Amen. The trumpet of the spirit of knowing. Intimacy. The counterfeit is knowledge as an in information. There's a great strength right now on the earth, and that is you can know anything that quick. There's a great weakness in the earth right now, and you can know anything that quick. You know what that makes you believe? Anything. anything. You know what else it makes you believe? It makes you believe there's more bad things happening right now than at any time in history. Because all of the bad things, you can know them, like right now. Did you know that there's not more bad things happening right now? However, when you know more bad things, it tends to propagate more bad things. You could know more good things too, but it's easy to be distracted by the bad things. There's not, there's not more earthquakes. There's not more disasters. There's not more, there's not more sin. Oh, there may be things that are not swept under the rug anymore. <laughs> oh, we didn't mind when there was sin and was swept under the rug, right? We didn't mind when, when we could sweep it under the rug as long as you didn't see it. And the issues of the heart weren't exposed. And we pretended everybody was okay. Huh? It was okay then? It was okay when we had worry swept under the rug or we had our, our flaws all swept under the rug and, and it looked clean. You know the law is really neat and clean. Only problem is it sweeps things under the rug. Yes. Grace doesn't sweep things under the rug because grace doesn't condemn. Grace transforms. I've told you before that iniquity, transgression, and sin are three different things. Iniquity is not sin. I call it a gift. What is it? It's my flaw. Do you, you know, in the very beginning, as, as the Bible describes man, it says, after Cain killed Abel, there was a guy named Seth that was born. When Seth means fresh appointment. And then fresh appointment had a son named Enish, which means mortal man. So fresh appointment which could have been Cain. Cain could have got a fresh appointment even after he killed his brother. He could have got a fresh appointment. But he decided to go out from the presence of God. God didn't kick him out. He left. Because God cursed the ground for Cain's sake. God did not curse Cain. Why did God curse the ground? Because Cain loved something that was created more than he loved the Creator. And if you love something that's created, you'll become less than you were created to be. That's a good word. And God wanted Cain to become all that he was created to be. So connecting to the Creator 
enables you to become all that you were meant to be. But connecting to something that's created puts you under the slavery of some created thing. So God cursed the created thing for Cain's sake so that Cain would turn and get a fresh appointment from the Creator, be forgiven of his sin of murder, and have a fresh life. Because that's the kind of God that God is. That's the kind of father he is. But Cain couldn't do it. So there had to be another man born. Fresh appointment, Seth. And then he had a son named Enosh. Which means mortal man. I know I'm going to die. And it says, Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So my iniquity in a sense is my mortal man it's my invitation to call on the name of the Lord my flaws enable me to call on the name of the Lord and then he comes and he transforms the place that could go into transgression I could go into rebellion and then disconnect sin but sin God doesn't kill sinners he never has I know the church has often said he does. Sometimes we, in our confusion, we do. We kill people for sinning. <laughs> but God doesn't kill sinners. They're already being killed. <laughs> So he invites them out of that place to a place of connection with him where the flaw gets transformed and your life changes. We, somewhere this morning we talked about the thief on the cross who simply told his friend, shut up, we, we deserve this, he doesn't. And then he said to Jesus, remember me. You know, that was enough to get him to heaven because of God's heart, mercy. But if he had gotten down off the cross and he had lived, the thief, he would have needed more than mercy. <coughs> he would have needed grace, which is a daily relationship with God that would transform him to no longer be a thief. I don't just want to be a thief that goes to heaven when I die. Do you know that King David was an adulterer and he was a murderer, but when he died, he wasn't? True. <laughs> In his early life, he was an adulterer and he was a murderer, but when he was old and he died, he wasn't those things anymore. Because he grew in a relationship with God. So we're in a time right now, God is doing something by the Spirit of knowing. I've talked to you about it numerous times, but what is He doing? In the world, it's a troublesome time. I'm just going to give you a, a couple of statements. I'm almost done. I'm actually blogging on this last week and tomorrow. <laughs> but in Revelation when it talks about a sixth angel the, I believe the angels in Revelation are the aspects of Holy Spirit he's the sent one to the church so there are seven angels well Spirit of the Lord wisdom understanding counsel might knowing and the fear of the Lord sevenfold Holy Spirit is the sent one to us that perfects us transforms us 
And the sixth angel is the spirit of knowing. So he blows his trumpet, and I believe the trumpet of the spirit of knowing is blowing right now. God speaks, life happens. God speaks, life happens. God speaks, life happens. And I can have what God is doing, or I can hold on to what man is doing. And if I embrace what God is doing, anything in me that's not what God is doing is going to get removed. Okay, that's actually good news. When the Bible says, in heaven, one-third of heaven fell, and two-thirds of heaven did not, the numbers are more important than the figure. It's not, it's one-third or two-thirds. The Bible's full of symbolisms to try to communicate to us. One is the number of self. Three is the number of God. Two is the number of witness. Three is the number of God. So when it says that two-thirds didn't fall, but one-third did, it's saying everything that was not a witness of God fell. And that which was a true witness of God remained. It might have been literally two-thirds and one-third. I don't care. I just know this. When I receive that which is the true witness of God in my life, two-thirds, everything that's not a witness of God in my life gets removed. Amen. Okay. I'm happy with that. Because I don't need what's not a witness of God to be my lifeboat. I need everything that God is doing right now to be the witness of God in my life. I need the wisdom of God. Okay? So, I want to become this place of life. I'm just going to look at one place in Revelation where this grace is opened. At the sixth seal, which is in Revelation 6. Which is, this is, this is the removal of false things. You receive the true... The false gets removed. There's a great earthquake, which is offense. Then the sun becomes black. That's natural sight. That's natural judgments. Then the moon becomes blood. That's defilement. No longer able to respond rightly. Then the stars fall from heaven like figs drop at the shaking of a wind, meaning there's nothing sweet to say anymore and you're not connected in relationship of authority. And then the sky rolls up, which means you no longer live for heaven. You live for your earthly world. You don't live for resurrection life. You live for natural life. Then the islands and the mountains move. Right now, it's easy to be separated by islands and mountains. Islands are my world. What's cancel culture all about? Okay, I'm not picking sides here. Well, cancel, cancel culture is simply this. I want to be loved. Stop doing that to me. I get that. But we all have our own dictionaries. <laughs> We all have our own islands. We all have our own mountains. Not just the world, in the church. We have our own islands. We have our own mountains. I was in Amsterdam listening to somebody who had a different view politically than I do. 
and their view is exactly the same as my view of theirs. I didn't talk to them, I just overheard it. And their view of my view is a view that says that my view is doing exactly what I say their view is doing. So we can be separated by our mountains and our islands. And I believe there's something more than opinions and views. There's something of God's grace at work right now in our, in our world. And so after the mountains and the islands move, the end is a grave. Rocks fall on me, destroy me. So if you get offended, you'll make a judgment. You make a judgment, you won't, you won't dance anymore. You won't respond to that person you made a judgment of. If you don't dance and respond to them, then you won't see them as essential in your life. You won't connect to them. If you don't connect to them, you don't care about them anymore. You don't see the need to even care about them. And then you see that your views are more important than their views. And so you come into a time of isolation, separation, mass. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Where we distance ourselves from one another. Pandemic is not just pandemic. It's the opposite of what God is doing right now. In a time when it's easy to be separated... It's supernatural to be connected. Right now, there's a supernatural connection to God available for us. Right now, there's a supernatural connection to one another that's available to us. Right now, there's a supernatural connection to the love of God that's available to every human being. There's a supernatural connection to knowing that's greater than knowledge. Because knowledge will separate us, but knowing will connect us. Amen. So we need this grace. And in this time of connection, things that won't allow us to connect are being destroyed. Okay. We're a dwelling place of God. Jesus is the way. He's the life. He's the truth. But that's for every human. Come on. He's the way. He's the life. He's the truth. He doesn't want to exclude anybody. He wants to include everybody to become this community of God. So it's easy to look at what the world is doing and be distracted. But we need to be people who look to what God is doing and be connected. Now, in the foundation of the church... There was that which opposed the body of Christ. In the rebuilding of the, of the temple and the, and the city of God under the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, there was that which opposed it. In both of those cases, what opposed what God was doing didn't win. We have that in the foundation. So what God is doing right now cannot be destroyed by what is being destroyed by what God is doing. God is doing something. Life happens. So things that aren't life 
get removed. And if we're not careful, we'll be distracted by the things that are not life. The things that are being removed. And then we'll get strong opinions about things that are not life. I'm not saying don't have opinions. I'm not saying to, to, to become apathetic towards your world. Be responsible. Be a king. Be a lord. But don't be a king or a lord like the kings of the world or the lords of the world. But take ownership. Don't just say, well, God's in control. Well, he's in charge, but you're in control of some stuff. I mean, I filled out a voter pamphlet yesterday because I'm in control of that. The Holy Spirit didn't grab my hand and make me vote. <laughs> I voted. Okay. Holy Spirit would never do that. You know why? Because he's not a controller. See, we blame God for being in control, but he's not a controller. He's an owner, but he's not a controller. He's a liberator. So it's not our time to react to the world. It's our time to connect to God. And to be life givers. And to let what's not a witness of him be removed. Okay? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Whatever is not God gets removed. Don't be distracted by end times. Understand, you should have already taken care of that. If you haven't come to your last day, do it today so that you can have eternal life, which is to know God as your Father and Jesus as Son. And you don't have to worry about last days anymore because you already got that over with. Plenty of people have in last days, but nobody needs to. Just get it over with. Lose your life. You'll save it. Lay it down. You'll find it. And you'll enter into a day that knows no end. Don't be distracted by Antichrist because in the first century, Antichrist didn't beat Christ. Amen. He never will. Never will. So this is not a time to be looking at end times or Antichrist. This is a time to be looking at eternal times and Christ. Amen. And to be connected as the body of Christ for the sake of the world. To be people of God who know the mercies of David and know how to find this throne of grace where we're transformed, where we say, come, come, let's do this together. You were born to be loved too. So let me pray. Thank you, Lord. God, thank you for what you're doing in the earth. Uh, my eyes see the internet, but my heart hears you. My ears hear a radio. But my heart hears you. So keep my tuners open. Help my heart to be open to you. Help us all that our hearts would be open to you. In the same way that radio transmissions are always happening. And video transmissions are always happening. Your voice is always happening. But it takes a human heart to hear you. So we open our hearts to you today. We tune them to your frequency, the frequency of the giver of life, the frequency of true love, which is willing even to die for the sake of others, so that we can become people of God. Help us so that we become your community, not distracted by what's going on in the world, but to be in the world as salt and light. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you for letting me come today. And as, as Bryce already said today, make a connection to him. Just do business in your heart. Say, God, I want you. Jesus, I want you. I want to I know you. Jesus talked to the multitudes. Everybody heard. But only a few walked up the hill with him afterwards and discovered what he said. So today, we've all heard. I'm inviting you this week. Walk up the hill with him. And find out what he's saying to you. Amen. Thank you.